welcome to my mommy's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Four Sigmatic, my go-to source for functional mushrooms like lion's mane, chaga, cordyceps, and more. Recently, I've really been enjoying their protein powder. It's new and it's delicious. It contains 18 grams of pure plant proteins, seven functional mushrooms and adaptogens, and the realest organic vanilla out there, plus not a single grain, gum, or gram of stevia. I love adding their vanilla flavor to a smoothie with some berries for an easy meal. My kids love it too. And their peanut butter flavor blended with some cacao and macadamia milk makes a great protein-packed afternoon pick-me-up. If you haven't tried Four Sigmatic, I'm also a huge fan of their Lion's Mane Coffee in the Morning for non-jittery clean energy and their Reishi Elixir Packets at night for restorative sleep. But I'm yet to try any of their products that I don't love. So check all of them out at foursigmatic.com forward slash wellnessmama and the code wellnessmama saves you 10% on everything. So again, that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com forward slash wellness mama and use the code wellness mama all one word all lowercase to save 10 percent. this episode is sponsored by paleo valley they make many amazing things but especially amazing grass-fed beef sticks they are the only beef sticks in the usa made from 100 percent grass-fed and grass-finished beef plus organic spices and they naturally ferment them They use an old world method of fermenting, so their sticks are shelf stable without the use of chemicals or questionable ingredients. Virtually all other similar snack products use GMO-based corn, corn corn-based citric acid encapsulated in hydrogenated oils to process their products. But with Paleo Valley, thanks to their fermentation process, they don't have any of that junk and each stick contains gut-friendly probiotics as well. My kids love them. They eat them all the time, especially when they're outside playing or at pole vaulting or doing anything active. I can never keep them in the house. So now I've just upped and we're on regular auto order and get them very, very often because my kids love them so much. I'm also a big fan of them uh, for protein for pre and post workouts and just as a quick snack on the go. As a listener of this podcast, you can save 15% on their beef sticks and all of their products. Go to paleovalley.com slash mama to save 15%. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com slash mama, M-A-M-A for 15% off. Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com. That's wellness with an E on the end. If you haven't checked it out, my new line of personal care products, including hair care and toothpaste that is mineral rich to help your teeth be stronger and whiter from the outside in. I'm here today with a follow-up guest who I really enjoyed the first time around, Sean Wells. And we're here to talk about his new book, which is The Energy Formula and Ways We Can Biohack From Home That Are Not Expensive or Complicated. Sean is an incredible expert in a lot of different areas, and he's become a personal friend, but he's considered the world's leading nutritional biochemist and an expert on health optimization. He has personally formulated over 500 supplements and cosmeceuticals, and he has patents on 10 novel ingredients. Online, he's often called the ingredientologist, and he is also formerly a chief clinical dietitian with over a decade of clinical experience. He's also considered a world-renowned thought leader on mitochondrial health, and he is often paid to speak on many of these topics. We go deep on a lot of them today, and he gives some very specific advice 
on ways that you can help um, improve your own health, have more energy, um, and then some simple tests that you can take to figure out over time how things are working for you specifically. You guys know that I'm big on personalization and individualization when it comes to health, and that's been part of my own journey over the last couple of years. We go deep on some specialized tips to do just that in this episode. So join me in welcoming Sean. Sean Wells, welcome back. Thank you for having me on, Mama. I'm excited to chat with you again. It's always a pleasure, and it's really fun when we get to record our conversations and share them. And I know that you have a new book coming out, which I'm most excited to chat with you about today. So to start broad, kind of give us the big picture of what the new book is about and what inspired you to write this one. It's called The Energy Formula, and it's an acronym. So it's experiment, like biohacking, uh, nutrition that includes things like keto and paleo and Mediterranean and a discussion of all those things. Exercise, so includes things like hacks, like high intensity interval training, blood flow restriction, intraset stretching, routines like circadian rhythm, morning and nighttime routines, how to nail those down, growth, growth mindset, like stoic thinking, and also building resilience through things like fasting. And then lastly, your tribe and having that community around you. So it's a framework and there's supplements throughout. I have these formulators corners for like each chapter. There's different supplements that I recommend like in growth. There's nootropic supplements, brain boosting supplements and in nutrition. There's a discussion on polyphenols and anti-aging compounds and it's really cool. There's also something called resource hacks throughout that really gives you like the, the devices I'm using, the products I'm using, like, you know, sunlight and sauna and Somnifix sleep tape and what brands of supplements I use and just everything. And, and I have zero affiliate codes or anything associated with it. It's all just the stuff I use. That's awesome. Okay, so let's start at the beginning, if you don't mind, and we're kind of just going to go point by point because most of the people listening are moms. There are some who aren't, but most are. And I feel like I've said from the beginning, if you can give moms extra energy and bandwidth, you improve the whole family because we're often the emotional support and energetic drivers for the family and making sure everything gets done. So I'm really excited to jump in with you today on all of these points, but let's start with E. So walk us through just some of the high level stuff we need to know about the first point of this. And obviously we'll make sure everybody has a link to get the book as well, but let's start at the beginning. Yeah. So it's experiment. So it's biohacking, but I like drilling into the idea of it's someone that's willing to experiment, willing to try that receives the benefits in life. You know, there's, there's that mindset I think we're entrained with that you either win or you lose. And people get conditioned to fear of failure. But if you look at Tim Ferriss's Tools of Titans, there's a mindset there uh, that almost every person that, that was a success that he interviewed had, and it was one, a strong morning routine, which I get into later in the book, but two, a mindset of not viewing things as a failure, but viewing things as experiments, and you win, or you learn. Thomas Edison, when he was working on the light bulb, had obviously a, a number of these experiments that did not work out and result in a light bulb. 
but collectively they did. And he would say, no, it's not a failed experiment. Like now I know what it's not. And so understanding your bio individuality is so key here. And that's the key to experiment. Like I love studies, but there's no study on 8 billion people. So we need to take data and say, you know, any good study ends in for these 20 people, we saw these statistical averages, including these people that dropped out in the process. And we need to do more research. It's usually like the way the study, a good study would end. You don't want to over infer anything because everything works differently for everyone. And then there's the whole idea of compliance. I can tell you something that may work great for you, but are you going to do it and stick with it and make it part of your lifestyle? That matters. Like when I was a dietitian working clinically, you know, you could tell someone to not drink four liters of Coca-Cola a day and go to zero and start drinking water. But if they don't do it and give up and just go back to drinking all that Coke, then is that successful? So I started viewing things through the lens of like, what's realistic for you at this point in your life? Can you get down to two cans of Coke a day? And then let's talk again. So, you know, it's, that's what I walk through is like thinking through what works for you doing one thing at a time. That's also the scientific method. Like we tend to with, you know, new years, try and do like 40 things at once and shotgun it and hope it all works. But you don't know what's working for you and not working for you. You need to do the scientific method and see, okay, this one thing, I can do that. I can, I can go do CrossFit or F45 or whatever. I can stick with that and do that for two weeks. And you're like, yeah, this is good. I'm adding this to my lifestyle. And okay, let me see how paleo works with my new workout routine. And you stick with that for a couple of weeks and you say, okay, I think this is working. I can add this and start stacking up things. But if you do like 10 things at once, you're taking all these pills, you're going to, to CrossFit, you're doing paleo, you're, you know, getting uh, peptides and, and doing stem cells and a hundred other things. You don't know what's working and not working. And then you'll just end up giving up everything. So that's a big part of the experimentation is knowing that you're unique, you're bio-individually unique from everyone else. And to just approach things with, I win or I learn, which means I win or I win. I love that reframe and you're right. I think any successful person you can point to in history has had that mindset and it's so vital. I love that you brought that up and also the personalization aspect with the idea of reframing as failure is good. As an example, right now, my kids are all getting into chess. I've got a couple that have always been into chess, but all of them are kind of getting on board right now. And the ones who are just learning kept getting frustrated because they kept losing to the ones who have been playing for years. And I've got one who's just naturally really good at chess. And I keep trying to remind them when you're playing chess, the first 200 games, winning is not even your goal. Learning is your goal. Don't even worry about who won. Your whole purpose right now is to learn. And I think it's sometimes easier to think that way in a game, 
but we don't realize it applies to almost every aspect of life. And like you said, when we think of it that way, there really is no losing because there's either a lesson or you already figured it out and, and you won. I think the personalization key, I know you and I have chatted about this in person, is so important right now. And I'm so glad we're seeing this shift because for a long time, it felt like people were looking for a system they could just follow exactly, like just tell me a checklist of what to do. And people ask me that with my own weight loss the last couple of years. And I'm like, I can't, I can tell you where to start trying to find some things that might be your puzzle pieces, but I can't give you a black and white checklist. And I think that is such a vital thing. And I love that you start there because it's so easy to want to just find that silver bullet or just find that checklist. And at the end of the day, it doesn't exist. And I, I'm 100% with you on the experimentation and figuring that out. Do you have any suggestions or tips for what to track, what variables to look at so someone can know over time if something's working for them? Oh, yeah. I, you know, I go through that quite a bit in my book. I also have these uh, surveys that you take, one, to kind of see where your baseline is and see how you're improving. But I also mentioned an, a number of metrics that you can use. I mean, not only things like blood work, um, there's three in particular that I think are very profound that everyone should be looking at that I think could reshape healthcare is if we were looking at inflammation, oxidation, and glycation, which are all hallmarks of aging, which are all hallmarks of mitochondrial dysfunction, which is at the core of disease and lack of energy, the mitochondria, the, the powerhouse of the cell. And so hemoglobin A1C for glycation, CRP, C-reactive protein for inflammation, and then oxidized LDL for oxidation. And looking at these, this is when you're starting to see dysfunction take place on that metabolic level. And you can assess biological aging. You can assess likelihood for disease. You can assess energy status to some degree because the mitochondria are not healthy or there's not enough of them by looking at those. But really the, the, the biggest key I would say is do you feel energized? Do you feel happy? Not all the time, we need to feel our emotions, but in general, do you feel satisfied in life? And I think uh, I, I was just with a doctor, Dr. Dan Stickler, who's a peptide expert in Austin, and we were talking about uh, these doctors, uh, these uh, medical practitioners, if you will, um, that are in Africa and these certain tribes, that when you go to them and you say, you're not feeling well, or you're sick, the first thing they ask is, how long has it been since you've uh, danced and sang? And there's like some profundity to that. Like that is very profound to think about. <laughs> like when you're happy, when you're energized, you dance and you sing. And when, you, when you're not, it's repressed and your head's down in life. So we want to be thriving and not surviving. I think that's, that's the biggest key metric is how much are you enjoying life and how do you feel? I agree. I started tracking. I do labs regularly, including the ones you mentioned. And I um, use Heads Up Health for keeping all my labs in one place. But I also keep a, just a running note in the notes app of my phone 
that has daily just kind of food inputs, workouts. And then I also put those in like my Aura Ring app and things like that, just to be able to see patterns over time. Um, and I love your suggestion of you know, just pay attention to your body, but also only add one variable at a time. Give yourself time to, and I'm the worst about that. For a long time, I'd be like, okay, so this time I'm going to experiment with three new supplements and I'm going to try this new workout. And I would do it all at once. And then I couldn't tell what was having the effect. I would see a change, but I couldn't pinpoint where it was coming from. So now I'm a big fan of anything new. I'm going to add in one at a time so I can actually gauge what's going on. I also love testing myself, just I've been experimenting with um, glucose monitoring, continuous glucose monitoring, which has been a fun metric. Um, and then also HRV, which I think we touched on briefly in the first one, but just as a refresher, kind of give us a, a reminder of what HRV is and how we can use that to kind of indicate how our body's responding to something. Yeah, heart rate variability, HRV, is something that you can track with these things like you're talking about, like with Aura and Fitbit and Biostrap and the Garmin Phoenix. And it's a good measure of how recovered you are. Dr. Stickler and I were actually looking at, I, I was playing twos volleyball, which is very intense, like just very dynamic. And I played for four hours, which is a lot at a high competitive level. And we looked at it and for about two hours, I was I was doing good, but my second two hours, I plummeted and I played through it. And I thought, I've thought my whole life, like, that's what I'm supposed to do. It's just like push till you drop. But he showed me like over the next three days, <laughs> like my, everything was just tanked on me. And so, you know, immunity, recovery, like mentally, like sleep quality, all of this is tied in to how properly are you recovering? And there's the idea of overtraining is another word for under recovering. So you're not giving yourself the enough nutrition, hydration, sleep, uh, de-stressing, going into the parasympathetic state. Like we tend to stay very sympathetically driven. And you need to like get that vagal tone where you tap into parasympathetic with, you know, meditation and, and relaxation and listening to music and, you know, doing poetry and, you know, what, whatever, like those things are that, that get you to relax. But we tend to stay very sympathetically driven with the, the hustle and grind, which is like sympathetic and ultra sympathetic. And, so HRV is, is a great measure of readiness to train, readiness to go into a sympathetic state, essentially. Got it. Yeah, I've noticed that like right now today, mine is lower because I'm recovering from an intense workout. So today is our rest day for me. I'll probably sauna and hydrate and that's about it for today. But it's so fun to be able to have all of these tools now directly at our fingertips to be able to gauge if something's helping or not. And I think, um, I know you're big on this too, but there's so much freedom in that data and in the personalization, because like you said, there's no study on each of us individually. So even if we look at clinical data, that's an overview based on averages, but we can now look at what, how is my individual body responding? And we can also now look at our own genes. We just have the availability of so much information that we can get so incredibly personalized. Um, I know you walked through a lot of those strategies. So let's move on to the second one, 
to the end and walk us through some of the high level points there because I feel like this is one where on the one hand we have a lot more consensus maybe than we have in the past and people understand the importance of real food and of avoiding certain things but then we almost seem to fight over like the three percent we disagree with on people on more than we ever have so take us through some of the high level stuff on this exactly Katie I one of the things that I talk about is that we all should agree on is whole food like that's just basics and and it sounds very simple but how much whole food are we actually eating you know there's so much food engineering ultra processed food high bliss point food that's literally made for you to overeat it and that's the problem is it's overriding satiety which is fullness signals and that's this food is meant to do that it's meant to trigger dopamine and serotonin like you're, you're literally impulsively driven to eat this food. So whether you're talking about carnivore, Mediterranean, paleo, vegan, a lot of these diets now, the, the core hallmark is eating whole food. Like you could eat carnivore and just eat like spam and hot dogs, I guess. But like the idea is to have you know, grass fed, grass finished, like organ meats and, you know, stuff like that. And then with same with vegan, like you could have Coca-Cola and gummy bears and be vegan, but plant-based nutrition and vegan is, is the idea to have whole foods. And if we look at these diets uh, with those like super centenarians, these blue zone people, that's what we see is they're eating whole food. That's probably the key. But if I was to pick a diet, like I talk about paleo, I do talk about keto, although keto I think is a more advanced strategy. Again, once I would stack up whole food, uh, getting rid of sugar, having some kind of exercise plan in place, and then having some kind of fasting in place, like intermittent fasting, something that's fairly easy, then I might look at keto. So it's those things that, that I think are essential first. And then, you know, Dr. Daniel Stickler and I were talking, he has a lot of research and we probably agreed that if we were to pick like one diet and again, bioindividuality, compliance matters, whatever, if you were trying and pick the healthiest diet, it would be Mediterranean keto that would probably be like i mean just with the data like olive oil is such a powerful fatty acid it's been shown to be a sirtuin activator which is anti-aging um along with things like red wine uh which has resveratrol which is another sirtuin activator it's the sirtuin genes are or the the aging genes the resilience genes if you will um, and then keto just being low carb and, and promoting ketones, it's going to keep insulin lower. It's going to keep blood glucose lower and glycation, that blood sugar damage lower. Um, the entire world doesn't need to do this. The Western world, it definitely benefits us because we just have such a high glycemic ultra processed food diet that keto undoes a lot of that 
and it provides an alternate fuel source that it's good, I think, to be metabolically flexible. I do, I do kind of cyclical and targeted ketogenic dieting. So I still have my carbs. I still have fun carbs. I still have, you know, cake if I'm going to a wedding. I still have my cheat days and fun foods and pizza and whatever. But 90 plus percent of the time, I'm strict on my diet. And then 10% of the time I have fun foods. And that's what allows me to make this a lifestyle that's not revolving around restriction. And, it, and that's been a key for me. As I used to do like strict keto and then I'd, you know, crash and go off and, you know, have all these carbs. And then three weeks later, I'm like, what happened? <laughs> you know? So this works for me as doing cyclical and targeted ketogenic dieting. Yeah. And I love the focus on metabolic flexibility as well. I'm in the same place of I realized what is the long-term goal? For me, the long-term goal was not that I would be eating an extremely regimented diet for my whole entire life. I'm willing to do that like you most of the time because I feel so good, but there are going to be times when I don't. So how do I become the most metabolically flexible so that when I do decide that I'm going to eat you know, avocado oil, potato chips, or whatever it is, my body can handle it without me feeling horrible the next day. Um, you also mentioned sirtuin activators. So for anybody who's not familiar, kind of explain to us what sirtuins are and why this is an important key. The, the sirtuin genes are a set of genes, I believe there's eight of them, and they're kind of like sirtuin circuit survival genes. So like the more you do things that promote resilience, the more these genes are activated. So it's like a, a hormetic stressors, um, which just means challenging the body. So think of things like fasting, um, working out, you know, doing things like keto, doing hot and cold therapies, uh, challenging yourself with body temperature, doing breath work, things like this, like challenge the body and create greater resilience. You become harder to kill. And these sirtuin genes become activated in different number genes, like CERT1, CERT2, CERT3 are in like different tissues, affect different parts of the body. But essentially the idea collectively is they promote uh, resilience and therefore extend life and have like less methylation of the DNA and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, the sirtuin genes are a huge focus in, in terms of anti-aging and quality of life as well. Again, the more resilient you are, the more you can bounce back and take on something like COVID or even all the stresses around COVID, the fear and, and, and all those things. So that would be what they are and, and why they're so important. Awesome. Well, um, okay. So let's keep moving. I know there's so many points and at the end of the day, people just need to also get your book because it's got so much more than we can cover in this episode. Um, and I know we've already talked about, you're just going to have to become a regular guest too, because you're such a wealth of knowledge, but let's get on to the next one. What do we need to know? Exercise. So obviously, you know, exercise is good, but again, you know, you can, you should look at overtraining. You should look at things like you said, HRV. I do love Heads Up Health by David. Big fan of that too. 
I use a BioStrap and a Garmin Phoenix, but I know people love the Aura Ring too. But exercise, there are some hacks. So again, going back to that hormetic stressor idea, the idea of low intensity steady state training, like typical cardio, is not that effective. If you enjoy running or you enjoy kind of circuit training at the gym and it's kind of a stress release, then that's good. Like that's good for you. But just know that you will not receive maximal adaptation in terms of muscle mass, fat loss, improving in VO2 max and, and, and resilience. That's not going to happen with typical steady state exercise. High intensity interval training is like burst training, like walk to, walk to sprint or jog to sprint. Um, you know, and it can be like how you train with weights as well. You know, CrossFit, for example, is, is sort of like that. It's, it's like an endurance version of HIT. It's called metabolic conditioning. So that's an ideal way to train. Like you can literally do more in five minutes of HIT training than you can do in an hour of typical steady state training. Um, and even if you might say that it's, you know, condition specific, like where a runner should just practice running. That's not even the case there. Like they've shown that a runner doing sprints has greater increases in terms of uh, their endurance and their performance um, than just a runner who continuously runs. So uh, that's one thing. The next thing I would get into is a couple other unique hacks. There's something called blood flow restriction where you put on cuffs and you just cut off um, some venous uh, flow of blood, uh, the superficial level of blood and not arterial, which is deeper. And it's basically like putting a cuff on it, like a seven or eight out of 10. It just makes you feel like if you've ever done like a drop set or a superset where you like towards the end, you just feel so swollen. You're like, you can't do another rep and you feel like the burn and your, your arms are super pumped and you can start that way. And what helps is you can deload. So you can get the benefits. There's something called cell swelling as a mechanism to promote hypertrophy muscle growth. And you can deload in the process. So if you're overtrained and you've been doing too much weights and it's tough on your joints, you can go to like 40% of your one rep max instead of 70 or 80% and still get growth and benefits. So it's a really cool technique. And the last one I throw out is called intraset stretching. And that's like keeping time under tension. So your muscle is always under tension, even between sets. So think of if you were doing bicep curls. And, and by the way, don't ever rest at the top in a bicep curl. Keep that time under tension. Don't swing through it. You know, pause at the bottom, pause at near the top, and don't go all the way up so it rests. But in between sets, Flex out your tricep as hard as you possibly can. And this stretches the bicep so it's still under tension. Then you go back into your set. And it, you'll see like just how difficult this is and how, uh, how amazing it is, again, for promoting hypertrophy. So those are some 
unique hacks that I get into in the book along with several others. I love all of those. And these are such high level tips too. I've had the pleasure of getting to just kind of tag along on an Olympic training protocol because we live near an Olympic facility here. And these elite athletes who are training for the Olympics this year or like this upcoming year are doing these strategies and not much more. They're not doing any long cardio. They're not doing super, super heavy. They're very, very strategic and dialed in. And while it may take them an hour to work out in a day, the actual effort time of that is much lower because they understand the need for rest and the need for intensity. And they have all these factors dialed in. I've also been amazed at how quickly the body responds when you do this, when you give it high intensity and then weights, but in a very specific way. It's been absolutely astounding how how much change I've seen in my body from that, um, from these strategies. So just echo everything that you said, especially the sprinting. That was not a thing I ever really did before now. And we did only like six sprints in the sand a few times a week during a couple parts of these workouts. And it was really ridiculous how much faster I got just from that. It's incredible the body, how fast it it picks up like, oh, we're supposed to run now. We're supposed to be fast. Got it. And it just adapts. It's been absolutely incredible to watch. When it comes to exercise, another thing I love to touch on, and I know that you, I I believe are a fan as well, is sauna as an exercise mimetic. So you're not going to get exactly all of the same benefits as exercise, but from what I understand, you get many of the at least cardiovascular benefits of exercise. So if you don't want to do that long-term cardio, sauna is a great parasympathetic resting way to get some of those benefits. But also sauna use strategically can make the benefits of exercise more pronounced. Is that right? So kind of walk us through how sauna can be used as part of this. Yeah, it's synergistic. Um, not only the heat aspect, but using red light therapy. Uh, so the combination of like near and far infrared and the sauna you don't need to go quite as hot when you use the red lights, so something like a sunlight and sauna, or you could use a regular sauna and use something like a juve light as well. Uh, depends what you have access to. But that's going to promote blood flow, promote sweating, which is, you know, again, like you're saying, like some things that you get during exercise. Um, and it's going to promote recovery. And even better is something called contrasting, which I get into the book is when you create that greater delta in temperature. So when you go from hot to cold, so doing a cold plunge or cryotherapy or something like that and doing sauna. Or there's a technique that Ray Cronice has, um, a famed astronaut and researcher, uh, where he does a contrasting shower and he goes back and forth about 10 times with hot to cold, hot to cold, hot to cold. And that delta, again, creates even greater resilience. So, you know, we're so used to being thermoregulated at 69 to 72 degrees all day long, whether we're in our house, in our car, in our office, wherever we are, we're, we're thermoregulated. And so we're not getting the benefits of resilience like that. We're not getting the benefits of hot and cold. And very rarely would someone do both. So that's even more powerful. Again, you want to make sure you're in a place where HRV-wise, immunity-wise, you can handle that. Because this is a stress to your system. So you have something called allostatic load where you can only handle so much stress. You can create a bigger bucket 
a stress bucket through resilience, but you need to make sure your bucket's not already overflowing or else some of this training, the high intensity interval training, the hot and cold therapy, the, um, you know, working out with weights, the, you know, all these things like they can be great for resilience, but you don't want to put your body in a state of overtraining if it's already overstressed. So that's why it's important to, you know, if you're in the sauna, maybe add some meditation or, you know, things like that, that would be helpful. But yes, I'm a huge fan of, of hot and cold therapy. You can see things like uh, the sauna raises uh, IGF one levels, GH levels, something called heat shock proteins um, and then cold therapy as well. Like, you know, dramatically improves something called brown adipose tissue and your, your metabolic rate. So like getting this exposure is going to make you more fit. Yeah. And I personally find sauna just a lot of fun and more relaxing than exercise. I love having that in my toolkit. Um, What about with cold? This is something I've wondered personally right now. So when you're, when you do high intensity workouts or strength training workouts, part of that is you're like using the muscle and you want it, that inflammation response a little bit because that's how you build muscle. Um, And the cold from what I've read can blunt that as, as can taking too many antioxidants within a certain window after exercise. Are there any good guidelines for that? I mean, this is a pretty fringe specific question, but basically I'm asking how soon after workout can I get cold? Yeah. Now people ask this all the time of like, if I take an antioxidant around the workout, does that have negative effects? If I take an anti-inflammatory around the workout, does that have negative effects or taking a cold shower after my workout? I used to worry about that that's something that I no longer worry about. I listen to my body. If I've had a workout where I feel like I've really pushed it, then I feel like the degree of inflammation is not just localized, it's systemic. And it sometimes is too much. Like I'm saying, like allostatic load wise, it's too much. If I'm already like getting up, early. I didn't get much sleep. I go to the gym. I train hard. You know, to me, like a cold shower is something that I'm receiving benefits from. Same with the antioxidants, same with anti-inflammatories. Like I would listen to your body and sure you should listen to your body and how you train, but listen to your body and what it needs. So it's not that there's a wrong time or a hard and fast rule. It's something to be aware of. And I would say in general, it's probably more ideal to do the cold plunge, not around the workout, to do the antioxidants or anti-inflammatories, not around the workout. But if you just feel malaise after your workout, if you feel inflamed after your workout, take a cold shower. It's, it's way better than taking anti-inflammatories or taking caffeine or struggling through your day. Like this is such a healthy uh, intervention that it's just the benefits outweigh anything else. So to me, that's what I would do. But if you're finished with your workout and you feel great, then yeah, hold off and maybe have that cold plunge later. Awesome. Okay. So moving on to the next one, so we don't run out of time. What are the high level points here for R? Okay. So routines. One, like we said, most successful people have dialed morning routines and that's where everything starts with your day. I think it's really important to wake up 
not stressed out. Uh, you can get um, lights that come on in the room slowly. You can get chimes that come on slowly and repeat instead of like the turn on the bright light and meh, 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 meh. You know, that kind of thing is very stressful to the system. You don't want a cortisol blast. Um, you don't want to like go full on sympathetic nervous system to start your day. And another thing I do is I sit in my bed for a minute and I do some breath work for a couple minutes and move your body a little bit while you're still in bed, you know, do some kind of range of motion stuff and do your breath work and then do some affirmations, you know, say some, some of the things that you're going to accomplish today, like put it out there, like speak your truth, you know, say like, I want to have a successful day today. I will be energized and successful, you know, whatever it is, like just put it out there. And then I like to do some journaling, like a five minute journal uh, where I have some gratitude and, and then go through again, some of the things I want to accomplish that day in a more specific way. I usually take a walk with my dog, listen to a podcast on the way to the gym, get a workout in at the gym, take my shower. Uh, I usually fast in the morning, don't eat till lunch. Uh, and then when I do start work, uh, it's really important that instead of going down that rabbit hole of email, and certainly don't do this with your phone first thing, like when you wake up, but don't do this even when you first get to work is just start hitting all the emails, get into one big task for the first two hours of your day, knock that out, and then you are successful. You feel accomplished and then jump into your email is then you're in a very different place mentally. No matter what happens, no matter what rabbit holes come up, you have accomplished something successful and you've already had your workout, you've already had your breath work, you've already done your gratitude journal, and you've knocked out this big thing at work. Then get into your emails. You can just chase emails all day long and never really accomplish much. So it's something to be mindful of. And also stacking up phone calls with each other so that we're not in that distracted state. We are not good multitaskers. Some people say like women are good multitaskers or I'm a good multitask. Like none of that's true. It's called task switching and none of us are efficient at it. And it really hurts. It can take five to seven minutes to switch back. So we wanna get in a state where we're focused on a task without distractions. And that's where you can do deep work. And for some people that creative work, it's really important to do in the morning too. There is research that says like that 10, 10 a.m. is kind of like the optimal time for that creative work. So again, I would put that kind of stuff at the beginning of the day and then get into your emails, then go have lunch and then make the afternoon more about calls and connecting with people. So those are some things to do. And then in the evening, you know, like I, circadian rhythm is really important. And that's that sleep-wake cycle. And a lot of us are bucking that at night with all this blue light that we're getting and eating too late. And it's really important, Dr. Sachin Panda's data has looked at circadian rhythm and eating. We should be eating during the daylight window. It's very unnatural to be eating late at night or when it's dark. And so that's important to look like look at and avoid your blue light exposure from 
screens and devices that you're getting too much blue light and you're not able to release melatonin and shut everything down and relax and get quality sleep. So that's important to start your morning having feeling refreshed, getting a great night's sleep. And that's important to, to reduce that blue light exposure. And then also to create a sleep fortress. And that means like your bedroom is a place that revolts around sleep. If you need to use essential oils, definitely don't watch TV in the bedroom. Don't do work in the bedroom. The bedroom is for intimacy and for sleep. And that's it. So that's uh, some important things with routines to create to set yourself up for success. Amazing. I was sitting here taking notes for the show notes, everything you were saying. This podcast is sponsored by Four Sigmatic, my go-to source for functional mushrooms like lion's mane, chaga, cordyceps, and more. Recently, I've really been enjoying their protein powder. It's new and it's delicious. It contains 18 grams of pure plant proteins, seven functional mushrooms and adaptogens, and the realest organic vanilla out there, plus not a single grain, gum, or gram of stevia. I love adding their vanilla flavor to a smoothie with some berries for an easy meal. My kids love it too. And their peanut butter flavor blended with some cacao and macadamia milk makes a great protein-packed afternoon pick-me-up. If you haven't tried Four Sigmatic, I'm also a huge fan of their lion's mane coffee in the morning for non-jittery clean energy and their reishi elixir packets at night for restorative sleep but I'm yet to try any of their products that I don't love. So check all of them out at foursigmatic.com forward slash wellness mama and the code wellness mama saves you 10% on everything. So again, that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash wellness mama and use the code wellness mama, all one word, all lowercase to save 10%. This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. They make many amazing things, but especially amazing grass-fed beef sticks. They are the only beef sticks in the USA made from 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, plus organic spices, and they naturally ferment them. They use an old-world method of fermenting, so their sticks are shelf-stable without the use of chemicals or questionable ingredients. Virtually all other similar snack products use GMO-based corn, corn-based citric acid encapsulated in hydrogenated oils to process their products. But with Paleo Valley, thanks to their fermentation process, they don't have any of that junk and each stick contains gut-friendly probiotics as well. My kids love them. They eat them all the time, especially when they're outside playing or at pole vaulting or any doing anything active. I can never keep them in the house. So now I've just upped and we're on regular auto order and get them very, very often because my kids love them so much. I'm also a big fan of them uh, for protein for pre and post workouts and just as a quick snack on the go. As a listener of this podcast, you can save 15% on their beef sticks and all of their products. Go to paleovalley.com slash mama to save 15%. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com slash mama, M-A-M-A for 15% off. I think this next one, G, is the one I'm most excited about because this was one of the things you and I first talked about when we met was the idea of 
just how important mindset is in general. I don't even think we fully understand yet just how important it is, but we know the data on a growth mindset and how important that is for success in every area of life, including health. So walk us through some of the high level points of this one. You know, like I just did a plant medicine experience this past weekend. And uh, one of the epiphanies that came to me was I am, and whatever follows that is empowering and you're putting out into the world of what you are at that moment that is reality like whatever you want to be you just say i am and it changes your mindset and it changes your approach and it changes your belief structure and it changes how people view you but growth is a mindset and i love the idea of we talked before about resilience and hormesis and growth mindset is the same idea on a mental level. So stoicism is a growth mindset. The obstacle is the way. And that's how we become stronger, where we don't dread adversity. We don't look for an adversity-free life. I mean, that's a path to fragility. And we want often like a way around the obstacle. You know, what's the hack? What's the cheat? But really the obstacle is the way where we relish that difficulty, that journey. Like when we watch these sports documentaries or war documentaries, you know, whatever it is, these hero stories, it's because they've dealt with adversity and they overcome it. And we cherish that as a people, we admire that. And so that's an important mind state to be in is how can I benefit from adversity? How can I grow stronger from this? What new things will I learn about myself? I'm learning about who I am on a deeper level. And because of adversity, like I had so many health issues. I was bullied and abused and all these autoimmune conditions and, and surgeries I've had and deep self-loathing, depression, anorexia, obesity, I mean, suicidal thoughts. I've been through all of this stuff. But on the other side of it, I wouldn't be talking to you, Katie, right now. I wouldn't have impacted a million people. I wouldn't be a supplement expert. I wouldn't be a biochemist. I wouldn't be a dietitian. I wouldn't be standing on stage, like desperately wanting to connect with people with empathy. I mean, all of that came through adversity. And so, I've learned to cherish adversity. Does it get hard sometimes? Do you want to like break down and scream? Sure. That's when that bucket is overflowing, right? But most of the time, we can grow our bucket, whether it's with mindset or like that, that resilience, the, the allostatic load. It's, that's the key is, is your, your approach to it, your filter, like how you view it. You know, the, the half, the glass half empty or half full. I mean, that's so key is, is your perspective and what you're bringing to it. So many people saw this year as, as so frustrating and a terrible year. I saw this as an incredible year for so many opportunities business-wise. And two, for me to go inwards. And that's when I started doing plant medicine journeys and working with therapists and getting mentors and building my life team and really developing my passion and honing in my fire. And, and that's what I've got from this year. So that's, 
that's what growth can bring you. And, and I really hope that your listeners can, can seek that out um, and, and benefit from that is just shifting that mindset to, to see something as this is an opportunity for me to grow. Yeah, I think I love that the obstacle is the way. I'm a big fan of stoicism as well. And I think this year, you're right, has been a great teacher in that. And if we view it as a lesson instead of a failure, as we talked about in the beginning, there's so much to learn. And we can think of this year as an incredible teacher for all of us. And I think this year has also really highlighted another thing that's so important for health and for mental health and that many people are really struggling with feeling not enough of right now. And that is the idea of community and connection and human relationships. And I love that this is the ending piece of your book because I think it's the one, when I look at Blue Zones that I notice the most, it's like, yes, they eat healthy and yes, they walk and they drink red wine, but they have really strong relationships and friendships and community. And maybe that's the piece we should be looking the most at. So let's talk about community. I know we share a lot of thoughts on this. uh, And I think it is arguably maybe the most important piece and one that in today's world can be hard to really get dialed in. So true. So true. I love that. Yes. I And I've spent quite a bit of time in Sardinia, one of the key blue zones in Italy. And that was what was impressed upon me as a nutritionist, like as a dietitian, like I did the same thing like that you're talking about. I was looking at, oh, they eat the Mediterranean diet. Like how much red wine, what type of red wine? But when I went there, it was three plus hour meals. (laughs) You know, they skip breakfast, have like some espresso, they have a light lunch, and then they have this three hour meal where they, you know, they prepare the food. And again, it's that whole food. And they commune for hours and they have therapy in that sense and they connect and they care about each other. They laugh and they cry and they share the food and it's a parasympathetic experience. And when we have food, we're often triggered uh, in a psychosomatic way for it to be a sympathetic experience where we're, you know, on the highway and, and weaving in and out of lanes and, and you know the radio's up and we're stuffing food in our face and you know we got to eat it as quick as possible or we do it while we're watching a crazy show on tv that's about explosions and killing and and then when you eat food it actually triggers inflammation it's not even just the quality of food it's what we've been trained our body for when they have food they're fully relaxing because they're about to sit down for three hours and talk to friends and family and and really, you know, enjoy and slow down. And so that is a huge difference. And something I'm looking to build into, into my life is, is really building out more community. And then speaking to what we were just talking about, like the life team concept is something that I'm developing more and, and working with some friends on and and looking to hone in too is people that like they say you're a product of the five people uh, closest to you you know who are those people that are around you are you consciously putting quality people around you that you admire and want to emulate and certainly provide value back to it's not a one-way street but you need people around you that are helping you to grow that are challenging you in the right way kind of like again hormesis and stoicism and resilience it's that right amount of challenge and support it's what your body and brain and soul needs is 
some of that criticism, but a lot of support too. And so it's holding you accountable. And, you know, just like when I do these plant medicine journeys, you get all these epiphanies, but if you don't do the integration for the next three months or whatever it is, then it's worthless. Then you just had an experience and then you just go back into regular life and, and do the things that you've always done. So you need not only integration on your end to journal it, to think on it, to work on it, but have people hold you accountable to it and support you through that, through that change, through your evolution. And those people need to be people that want to see you change and grow and become better. And certainly not people that want you to stay the same or be less than. Those people need you to be on fire, to be passionate, to be your best self. And so those are the key people to put around you. And certainly you need to see that in them. You're like, wow, these are people that are their best self. They don't need to be millionaires. They don't need to be concert pianists. They just need to be fully passionate and present. Yeah. And I think our modern world is not naturally geared to facilitate those kind of relationships. I think we do have to be intentional about them in today's world. I also think that making that a priority, like you said, those five people that you are putting the most time into relationship with can have the biggest impact on your life. Even there's some really fascinating data about when not just one of those five people in your life has a dramatic change, it's more likely that you will have a similar dramatic change. For instance, if one of those five people gains a dramatic amount of weight, you're more likely to, to gain weight. There's People kind of understand that connection. The crazy part is when one of the five people that those five people spend the most time with gains weight, you're actually at an increased risk for gaining weight, even if you don't know that extra person. It's really kind of amazing how connected and how community really works like that. And I've had to be very intentional about building that community in my own life. I think many of us have, especially this year. Um, I'm a big fan in my life of having really like regular relationships like that. I also have what I call my personal board of directors. And we have those regular meetings and, and I serve that for other people as well, where the goal is to help each other improve and also to have a safe place to give each other critical feedback that can be helpful as well, a constructively critical feedback. Um, you can get a lot of relationships. People maybe don't feel like they have the freedom to say those things sometimes. And so having a, an area where it's expressly said, you know, please, call me out if you see something I could improve on or um, to, to have those relationships, it's been really, really impactful for me. Um, so definitely echo what you said. I know at the beginning, you also mentioned you have supplement suggestions throughout the book. And certainly this is an area where personalization is most important, but I'd love to hear any supplements that you are experimenting with or loving, especially right now. Yeah, I think like if I was to give my top list, um, you know, there's some basics that I think people should be taking, like vitamin D3. Certainly, we've seen even more data now around it, how important it is to our health and our immunity with COVID. It's a hormone. It's not just a vitamin. It's so unique, and it impacts so many parts of the body. Um, and it's really like the anti-COVID. If you, if you look at like this ACE2 pathway for COVID and, and how vitamin D works. Along the same lines, I would say right now, high-level vitamin C, either through IV or liposomal, you really can't go that high dose with vitamin C if you're just taking ascorbic acid because it will give you GI distress. 
Um, so look at like a liposomal form or doing some IV vitamin C. I really like polyphenols. So getting back to, if you do look at, at data of these blue zones, one thing that is present is high doses of polyphenols in the diet. And for example, in some of the most historic foods, things like, and, and they're polyphenols, like onions are high in quercetin, uh, red wine, resveratrol, EGCG and green tea, terastilbene and blueberries. You know, these foods have these polyphenols, which again are sirtuin activators. They promote a key aspect of energy in the mitochondria and NAD is that compound that's really key to energy in the mitochondria. So finding ways to boost NAD levels, which these polyphenols do. And some of the polyphenols actually not only boost NAD, but they lower NADase, the uh, enzyme that breaks NAD down. Um, it's also called CD38. So that's a key. And as we age, like at 50, we are making dramatically less NAD and we're uh, breaking it down at a much more rapid rate. So this is a key to energy is, is having enough of these polyphenols. Beyond that, I like a great multivitamin that has uh, active B vitamins in it, the coenzymated B vitamins, things like methylcobalamin, 5-methyl tetrahydrofolate, P5P, things like that. Uh, and it also has organic mineral salts. So things like magnesium citrate or the amino acid chelates like magnesium glycinate and not like the inferior forms like oxide or carbonate. Fish oil, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, probiotics. I think now we're looking at having prebiotics, which promote healthy bacteria, probiotics, which are the healthy bacteria that are, I like ones that are in spore form or microencapsulated, so they're more stable. And then something now that's called a postbiotic, which is butyrate. And that's what these probiotics make. And so together, if you take them collectively, it's now called a symbiotic. So getting all those to promote gut health uh, is wonderful. Uh, alpha GPC is the best form of choline and really important for brain health along the lines with acetylcholine and brain cell health, et cetera. I think those are, those are some of the keys right there. Um, taking some things for mitochondrial health like CoQ10, PQQ, NMN, those are all ingredients that I'm a big fan of too and I get into in the book. But those are, those are going to be some of the best ones, I would say, right there. I love it. Again, taking notes. I've experimented with some of those. Even Alpha GPC is one of my recent ones. And those are some that from adding one thing at a time and watching the response, I've noticed a big difference. Um, for me, genetically, choline, any of the choline and choline cofactors were important because I genetically need more and I don't tolerate eggs. So when I started supplementing with that, I felt incredible. And then Alpha GPC is another one I've really enjoyed lately just for the mental. I feel so clear and so focused. So I'll make sure I've, I've written all those suggestions down and I'll put links in the show notes, as well as, of course, uh, a link to your book so people can keep learning. Um, another topic we don't have time to really jump into all the way, but I want to at least touch on is the topic of peptides, because I think we're going to see more and more about these 
um, in the health world. So just give us a high level overview of what peptides are and some of the ways we can use them. So peptides are essentially amino acids when stacked together. You can have, if you have two amino acids, they're dipeptide, three tripeptide, uh, then you can get into oligopeptides, which just means short chains, and then longer chains are called polypeptides. So it's essentially amino acids. And these, this class of peptides, in terms of chemicals or, or medicines, if you will, are usually 50 or less amino acids. So things like growth hormone or insulin are actually peptides. And they're short-acting and unique they're not like hormones where they they sit around and they can have more of a harsh effect they can have more signaling effect like where there's kind of a, there's a hormonal cascade if you will that's called the hormonal milieu like where that's one hormone affects another hormone affects another hormone what what's cool about peptides is they tend to be very clean and so there's just turn on, turn off kind of thing, um, which makes them a lot more reasonable to use. And it's a lot better than the way a lot of drugs work, like which is typically blocking an enzyme um, that, that creates a lot of side effects that you see in all these commercials of the 600 side effects. It's, it's just not an ideal way to, to get a result from the body. Um, so these peptides are getting very popular. The problem is they can't be patented. And, and for that reason, they're just considered research chemicals, not approved for actual use on humans because then that's considered a drug. Um, so they're just getting sold on the internet. So you have to be careful of where you get them from. I work with a medical doctor that's progressive enough to start using some of these incredible compounds, uh, but you do wanna make sure you're getting them from a clean place. The best one that I've seen that he uses and he's tested is peptide sciences. So that's the best place to get it. Now, a lot of these peptides, your body, if you were to take them orally, would break them down into those amino acid components and they wouldn't have the signaling effect, this on-off effect that they would uh, so you need to inject most of them. So that's another factor here. So you might need to get what's called bacteriostatic water, uh, hydrate the ampule, and then you pull it in and, and inject it. Now, you don't have to inject these necessarily intravenously. It's, you know, a little insulin needle and just like underneath the skin subcutaneous. So it doesn't hurt. It's not hard to do. But yes, these compounds, I mean, just to name a few, like BPC-157, TB-500 are powerful for anti-inflammation and healing. Thymosin alpha, like, boosts the immune system and might help someone overcome things like uh, Epstein-Barr, Lyme, Lyme's, um, you know, a, a host of autoimmune issues. There's things that promote, you can actually take GHRH, which helps release more growth hormone and release it in its normal pulsatile way, which is about six to seven times a day, instead of just taking growth hormone itself, which is not as good, where you're just taking a bolus of it and it's kind of going way high and then way low. So uh, there's compounds like dihexa and cerebrolysin, which help promote brain health. 
and help neuroplasticity, essentially making the brain younger. There's some anti-aging compounds like uh, Epitalon that are, that are powerful as well. There's, there's a number of them that we're discovering in the body that again, just because the way that they're made, uh, they really can't be uh, patented. So, you know, the drug companies really aren't working on them, but they're some of the most profound compounds for eliciting a, an effect and healing us. Uh, so it's a, it's a fascinating area of medicine right now um, that is definitely worth looking into. And, and I would look for a doctor that, that does do work like that. And again, I work with Dr. Daniel Stickler and uh, Micra Hamilton of um, Apiron in Austin. I know that's one. Uh, there are some others throughout the country. So it's something to look at. Awesome. Yeah, like I said, this is an area I'm just starting to experiment. So we can circle back in another episode uh, about that soon. And I always ask at the end, you've been on recently. So I asked about books that really dramatically impacted your life. Um, this time, I would love to just hear any book recommendations you have across the board. Obviously, I recommend yours, and that's been a focus of today. But any other fun books you've read recently? Well, the books that I would really, really recommend, uh, it's going to be uh, the Four Agreements was probably the most impactful book for me, especially learning to don't take anything personally. Uh, that was that was profound for me. That that people are just projecting out on you, and you project out on other people. You put your judgment and your lens out on other people, and it's it's in my especially with plant medicine. I've learned to to know that that I have my lens and I am unique. And I don't need to be projecting out on other people. I don't need to be judging other people. And then when people say those things to me, that it's coming through their lens. And so that's been important. Uh, the obstacles, the way was incredibly important to me um, for, for shifting my mindset. I do like biohacking. So I love Ben Greenfield's book, Boundless. It's a gigantic book uh, that's wonderful. Those are some of the ones like off the off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport is something that I was kind of touching on before. And Tools of Titans is something that I mentioned before. It's great to read these short kind of summaries of all the people that Tim Ferriss has had on um, and kind of get in a, a view of excellence and to see the thread that runs through them, as well as what's unique to each of them and, and what you want to adopt uh, from your perspective. So those are some great books that I've read. Awesome. I'm putting links to all of those in the show notes as well. Um, but Sean, with the promise of let's do this again another time soon, thank you for your time today. It's always so much fun to learn from you and chat with you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate being on. And yes, I'm excited about my book. And uh, it's really like about 20 years in the making and, and everything I've learned and how to get more energy out of my life and that continues to evolve, but there's, there's a lot of research in there. There's a lot of mindset in there and practical ways to execute it. The things you actually want to buy that I've learned, the supplements that you need. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really proud that there's a lot of practical side of this of like, okay, now what do I do? Like I get into that, there's chapter summaries, there's surveys. So it's very practical. You can just pick it up and start using it. Amazing. Well, I'll make sure it's linked. You guys all check it out. 
It's awesome. And Sean, we'll chat again soon. Thanks for today. And thanks to all of you guys for listening, for sharing your most valuable resource, your time with both of us today. We don't take that lightly. We're so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.